ESPN 94.1 FM at AM 930 present The Drive. Brought to you by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Local then, local now. Member FDIC. It is Thursday, December 12th. Your drive begins now on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. You can join the program by calling the Miller Lite phone lines, 877-420-TALK. That's 877-420-8255. Miller Lite, whole troop, great taste, only 96 calories. It is the original light beer. Coming up in the program this hour, we're going to talk to UCF play-by-play voice Mark Daniels. Marshall, UCF continue their preparations for the Gasparilla Bowl coming up in Tampa. We're going to take also a look back at last night's basketball action as Marshall gets the win over Bluefield State. And we'll get those phone calls in. So, again, the phone number 877-420-TALK, 877-420-8255. So, gearing up for this one between Marshall and UCF, just trying to get a finger on the pulse of this one and when we talk to Mark Daniels here in a few minutes, uh, I'm kind of curious. They run by committee. It feels like they've just got running back after running back they can just hand the ball to. They don't have one that's a standout from the sense that he's head and shoulders running the ball above anybody else. They don't have that one guy and then everybody else falls in behind. It's like they get three or four guys that can really go out there and run. The line, however... I don't think the odds makers are giving their herd some credit here. They're thinking this is going to be maybe a 15, 16, 17-point game. It's fluctuated a little bit. Uh, I'm not going to get fixated too much on that. But at the same time, it feels like the overall opinion here is that UCF is going to put some points up and that they're going to really take advantage of Marshall with just the fast-paced of their game, the fast-paced attack. Best way to talk about it. But Marshall-UCF, as far as a matchup's concerned, I know this has got to have Herd fans excited. If you're a Herd fan and you're not excited about this, you are either a recent Herd fan, you're new to the fandom, you're not a longtime Herd fan, or you're not a fan... From the day when Marshall was getting out of the MAC, started having success against UCF, and then both teams are conference mates in Conference USA. And again, you're thinking, okay, Marshall's going to continue that success. No, UCF wins eight straight in the series. And after UCF leaves, there's no opportunity for Marshall to play UCF. So really, I didn't think this matchup would happen for a long while. And here it is. But I'm interested to see what the feeling is for this game. If UCF fans are excited, hey, get to play Marshall, haven't played them in a while, or just the fact that they're staying close to home. Because after all, they've been in this bowl before. Marshall's been in this bowl before. Marshall likes going to the Florida Bowls. And Marshall's been pretty successful in the Florida Bowls. So that's what we're going to talk about. And, of course, basketball. We'll get into more about that. But my big takeaway from this is Marshall beat Bluefield State. That's it. That's my takeaway. If Marshall would not have beaten Bluefield State, which I could not even enter into my mind as a possibility, and that's no takeaway with Bluefield State. Lower division team, they can put the points up. 
But Marshall really took advantage of them, especially in the second half, locked it down, started putting more points on the board. It was close for a while. Danny D'Antoni tweaking the lineups a little bit, playing around, mixing and matching, seeing what he's got. And I get that. You can do that in a game like this. You can put some guys out there that you normally don't see that much on the court. Totally think that that was fine. But at the end of the day, Marshall got the win, which Marshall needed. Bluefield State comes in, gets a paycheck. They get some good work off the game against Marshall. Marshall's probably going to be one of the better opponents on their roster all or their schedule all season long. I mean, that's my takeaway. I'm not saying I didn't have fun, but that's my takeaway. It was Marshall got the win, beat Bluefield State. Ramps up, though, Moorhead State. That's going to be a completely different game altogether. That one I'm excited about. Now, I was talking to a couple of people on Press Row yesterday talking about, hey, Marshall should beat Moorhead. No, no, not so fast. Marshall going to Moorhead is not a given at any time. I mean, it's a good trip. And I hope that a lot of Herd fans take an opportunity to head down there. And just take the opportunity. It's a good environment. Marshall fans seem to love going to Moorhead because there's always a good crowd. Moorhead, I think, really likes this series. And this should be played every year. That's one of the few things that I really will stand firm on. If you're going to play a series in basketball every year, it should be Marshall and Moorhead State. They've got a nice history together. They've got a nice rivalry together. And it's too bad you can't see that series in football. It just doesn't make sense in football. And everything else, though, I think that should be played every year and everything you can possibly play. Every sport that can match up, I think that's a series you have to have. And the same thing goes for a school like Ohio. Again, Marshall's not the primary rival for Ohio, and Ohio's not the primary rival for Marshall. I just don't think it is. But at the same time, it's a great rivalry. You should have that on the schedule every single year. Same thing with a few other schools. And I'm okay with playing a couple of MAC schools now and then. I'm totally fine with it. you got a, a history with some of those schools. Now, you're still trying to find your rival. And I don't know if Western Kentucky is ultimately going to fill that spot because they're still – some of that hatred between Middle Tennessee, Western Kentucky, 100 miles of hate. No offense, need a better nickname than Moonshine Throwdown. No offense. I don't know where the moonshine is in this uh, particular uh, conflict, especially with uh, Western Kentucky. But you're turning it into a, a pretty solid rivalry game. And you know what? You want to call it a throwdown? Go right ahead. Fine with me. But Marshall, and a, at least from the Marshall perspective, big rival with Central Florida. And we're going to talk to the voice of the UCF Knights, Mark Daniels. He's going to join us next on the program. Also, we'll take time for your phone calls, 877-420-TALK, 877-420-8255. And then we're going to warm up the text machine. That's right. We have taken the tarp off the text machine. We're going to fire that thing back up and give you an opportunity later on to throw us your text. And we'll tell you how you can do that when we continue with today's edition of The Drive, presented by Huntington Federal Savings Bank on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. 
listening to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Welcome back to the Thursday edition, The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. We're going to open up the text line for you in a minute at 304-399-8255. So you can send your text to the program. But first, we want to welcome up now. We've got the voice of the UCF Knights, Mark Daniels. And, Mark, it's been a long time since we've talked and talked Marshall and UCF, but here we go again. Yeah, I mean, a chance for the two football teams to play again and uh, in a bowl setting uh, coming up in Tampa. So uh, I know UCF's looking forward to the opportunity to play in uh, you know, a bowl game and try to get a 10th win. Now, these two teams haven't met in a long while, but I think Herd fans still – and I think fondly as well, remember the battles with UCF, not just in football, but basketball as well and, and every other sport you could possibly imagine. Is this a matchup that UCF fans are excited for because they haven't seen Marshall in a while, or are they just more excited the fact that, okay, back in a bowl again and, and hoping to get that 10th win and hoping to, to springboard to a good season next year? Well, I think that's a that's a multi-layered uh, question as far as the UCF fan coming off the last two seasons. I think their expectation, you know, was obviously very high for the upcoming season. The players that UCF was bringing back, and uh, you know, they envisioned a chance to go out and compete in every football game, and in a perfect scenario, would have found themselves back in New Year's Six Bowl again. And that didn't happen. Uh, you know, UCF found itself on the short end of three football games uh, by a combined seven points. And, uh, you know, then I think initially a fan thought, okay, you know, what, 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 what bowl game is UCF going to go to? And I think their, you know, their hope was to play a Power 5 opponent. And the bowl system today has obviously drastically changed from where it was years ago. And conference affiliations and the power of television comes into play. Uh, so having said that, I think UCF fans are, one, excited for the opportunity to be able to drive a short distance to see their team play in a bowl game at a stadium that UCF has played in before. You know, and then I think uh, a familiar opponent for those nice fans to remember of the matchups going back in a few years. That's not sliding Marshall in any way. I just think from where UCF has been the last couple of years and what their expectation uh, was, um, you know, I, I'm not quite sure if you told UCF and before the season, hey, what's your thoughts about playing in the Tampa Bowl game on December 23rd? They would have said, I'll take that. I think they would have had their visions on something bigger. But at the same time, I think this is where UCF is now. They're excited for an opportunity to play a 13th game, and I think it's important for the program to, try to get another victory and have three straight uh, 10 or more win seasons. A senior class has a chance to win a 41st bowl, uh, 41st game. So there's some you know opportunities for UCF that lies ahead in this game. Mark Daniels is with us, the play-by-play voice of UCF. And you bring up a good point. UCF, for several years now, has been the gold standard for the group of five. And, you know, this is a program that has taken – you know, every advantage of being in the American, moving up from the MAC, moving up from Conference USA, getting into the American. And this is a program that we just almost automatically put into that New Year's Six Bowl. So it really says something, one, that they didn't lose by much to the opponents they lost to, and two, the fact that the quality of football in the American has drastically improved. Uh, I know that the term Power Six is thrown around sometimes, and it seems like the American is really proving that, hey, maybe it is a power six because there's just top to bottom. It feels like it's gotten better and better every year. 
Well, I think the league's had its best season as far as monikers. You know, it's a marketing uh, a campaign by the league, and I can certainly respect it. I think on a national level, both media and the powers of the other leagues, you know, certainly don't feel the same way. And the TV check, well, it's going to be really good when the league uh, goes into a new deal with ESPN next year. It's nowhere near what Power Fives are making, even on the low end, which are $25 million or so. The American average, $7 million. But I think on the field, it has established itself as, um, I think, the sixth best league in the country. And then based on whatever statistics you want to look at this year and uh, some of the analytics, maybe every bit as good as the ACC top to bottom. And it's interesting that you take a look at one point, the American had four teams ranked. UCF wasn't one of them. So it showed the depth of where the league has been. Clearly, Memphis had an outstanding season. Um, you take a look at other teams that had really good years, obviously Cincinnati winning uh, double-digit games, and then on the west side, outside of Memphis, SMU, uh, with an outstanding season. They had a Temple program that's vastly improved uh, as well, and, and a Houston team that kind of took a redshirt this year with so many guys sitting out. So the Americans, the strongest it's been, um, it's no disrespect to UConn. The league is going to get better with UConn leaving. Um, there's no easy wins in the American, and and from a power, uh, you know, ranking standpoint, with UConn leaving, the league is actually going to be better. Mark Daniels, our guest, the voice of UCF, and let's talk about this matchup a little bit. Uh, you look at it on paper, and UCF is going to score a lot of points. The odds makers have even pointed that out. It's going to be a game in which UCF might score almost 20 points on the herd. Marshall's got a good defense, but you look at way this Central Florida team has been scoring. It starts at quarterback with Dylan Gabriel. Gabriel Davis has been the recipient of a majority of that. But I don't think anyone's really talking about the fact that you've got a ground attack that just keeps coming and coming and coming. You've got several guys who maybe not a 1,000-yard rushers, but you've got several guys who are just coming and coming and coming. And it, you know, I, I don't think that's been talked about enough, the fact that you know, you've got running backs. You're going to be throwing them at them all day at the herd. Well, UCF, you know, last year set a school record for rushing yards and brought everybody back. And uh, it, it's hard to rush for a thousand yards at UCF's offense, not because they don't run the ball, but because we rotate running backs so much. Adrian Killens is arguably, if not the, certainly one of the fastest players in college football, and can uh, turn a two-yard gain to eighty. Uh, Greg McRae ran for 1,000 yards last year, averaged nine yards a carry. Greg was banged up a little bit this season. He's certainly there. Otis Anderson's a versatile back that we use as a wide receiver as well as a running back. And then Tavis Thompson, maybe the most pure running back of all of those, and he's the four-string guy, and yet he averaged more than seven yards a carry. So Josh Heupel has always pushed for balance. Uh, UCF uh, you know, has averaged uh, over 250 yards on the ground this season, and you throw in the success that Dylan Gable has had throwing the football, and you got to be balanced. I mean, in games that UCF uh, lost this year and all close games, they were not effective running the football. And, and, and you know, that's what teams feel it's a formula because, I mean, it works all the time. But clearly in games where they struggle to run the ball, those are the three football games that they fell short. But, you know, offensively, there's playmakers. And, and um, you know, UCF tries to get guys in space, take advantage of its speed. And uh, yet you got to go execute and can't turn the ball over. UCF had issues in those three losses where they turned the football over and penalties, and uh, those are things you've got to avoid, particularly in a bowl game when you've been off for a couple of weeks. How uh, do you, you know, get back up to game speed? And those are challenges, I think, for any coach. What's the impression of Marshall, just uh, from a, an early examination of the opponent? Uh, what are they saying, or what's the team saying about this Marshall squad? 
Well, I don't know if the team said much right now. They just got back into practice mode, I think, to look at a better idea once the full scout breakdown for Marshall. I know there's respect clearly for Marshall's program, uh, uh, obviously not just the history of UCF and Marshall years past, but uh, always known for good athletes. The defense has played well this year, some football games that clearly they uh, played well in and certainly had an opportunity against Boise. Um, you know, the Cincinnati game got away from them, but uh, other games on their schedule where you know you certainly have to be impressed, a quarterback that can do things um you know, both offensively and uh, from throwing the ball and the ability to run. So I think UCF has respect. Um, you know, it, it's hard to win football games in college anywhere when you, you get eight wins under your belt, you're doing something right. You know, the top of the uh, conference in TUSA still is very good. Um, so there's respect there, and I'm sure the UCF will uh, have a better idea about what are the keys to that football game as they get a little bit more focused in. Uh, just getting back and getting loose these last couple of days, I think it's more from a uh, physical standpoint, and then begin to zero in on the scouting report for Marshall. Yeah, and the uh, the storylines I'm sure are going to be uh, there because Doc Holliday is well known for loving to recruit, recruit Florida. He has a lot of Florida kids on the roster, so getting to go back to Florida, play a bowl game, getting to play against the Florida school. I know there's a lot of excitement when you play FIU and FAU, and I'm sure it's got to amp up even more to play Central Florida. Yeah, I, you know, again, Marshall's always had a lot of kids in Florida, and uh, I'm sure they're excited for the opportunity to come back home. And, uh, you know, again, it's uh, uh, it, it, it's another game, and, uh, you know, it's not just UCF, it's Marshall, it's everybody else. You, you always try to guess how your players are going to respond after a little bit of time off. you got to guess, you know, are, are guys motivated to play? I certainly think Marshall's going to be motivated to play. Um, I anticipate UCF. Uh, you know, it's just passed, and it's not like we lost the conference title game and had a chance to go to the Cotton Bowl. We didn't make the conference championship game. So, you know, the the, the, the current situation is what it is for UCF, and, and I think that uh, they'll be excited for the opportunity to go play and certainly respect the opponent and, you know, look forward to the short drive over, uh, you know, the Tampa and, uh, you know, see how the two teams match up. But, um, you know, uh, coaches use this opportunity to springboard towards next season. UCF, for the most part, is a relatively young team. I mean, they bring back a ton of people based on guys that have started at some point this year. They'll bring back nine guys on offense and eight on defense next year. Um, so, you know, it's almost like a, a, a jump start to 2020 for UCF. And every team, you know, kind of utilizes the bowl game like this for it. Mark Daniels, our guest, he is the UCF play-by-play voice. And not to take too much away from this game, but you've seen the reports and you probably know more than we do. Yeah, Lane Kiffin, he's uh, the new head coach of Ole Miss, and there's talk that he's uh, looking at Jeff Levy, the uh, offensive coordinator for UCF, try to bring him on board. Uh, what are you hearing or, or what's being said about that? Well, Jeff's been an important part of UCF's uh, staff last couple of years, getting to know him, have great respect for his football knowledge and just the person that he is. Um, you know, I don't think Josh Heupel is surprised that there'd be interest in Jeff, um, whether it's from one school or the other. Uh, Jeff was certainly involved in helping the development of Dylan Gabriel to emerge and have the freshman year that he did. Uh, certainly played a role in, in working with Coach Heupel and play calling. Uh, Josh, for the most part, calls plays. I don't think you know much is going to change. Um, you know, if Jeff's going to move on. Uh, clearly, he'd be a loss as you you know wrapping up recruiting and and uh, focusing on a bowl game, but. You know, when you have success, uh, uh, any program, you, you, you kind of anticipate that, that people may come poaching. And, um, you know, again, I don't think Coach Heupel is surprised by that uh, as far as the interest in Jeff. And uh, if he does indeed move on, wish him nothing but the best. He, he certainly played a significant role for UCF these last couple of years, even working with McKenzie Milton last year after the injury to McKenzie, helping Daryl Mack um, 
you know, emerge, and then Daryl's injury, and then uh, uh, having Dylan Gable have you know one of the best freshman years for a quarterback in the country. Um, he was a guy that had a, a sharp football mind, and if there's an opportunity for him that he believes is best for him and his family, I'd wish him nothing but the best. It's also been pretty amazing. You mentioned the fact that quarterbacks over the last few years. Uh, you keep finding them or you, you keep having success at that quarterback position. And, and once you think, uh-oh, there might be problem here, quarterback goes down, well, what are we going to do? No, you, it feels like you've just got another one in reserve ready to go. I mean, that's what's been amazing about this program. Well, you know, you're fortunate to have uh, a, a great coaches, talented players that have adapted to a system well. You know, Scott Frost uh, convinced McKenzie Milton to come here and uh, – uh, McKenzie had a, a interesting freshman year, had some really good things, had some frustrating things, and then, you know, kind of grew up on, into a sophomore year, and then clearly was having a special season last year before his injury. And Daryl Mack won a conference championship game for us, and and yet UCF uh, knew McKenzie's situation that he likely wasn't going to play in 2019. Randy Wimpus transferred in from Notre Dame, and the assumption was that those two guys would battle for the starting job. Dylan Gable turned down USC. And Georgia and felt comfortable coming here to UCF. The connection to McKenzie from the same high school played a role. Daryl gets hurt in spring, and uh, you know uh, UCF made the decision to let uh, Brandon Wimbush and Dylan Gable battle it out. Brandon started the first game, and and then Dylan took over, and you know has broken every passing record for a freshman at UCF as having one of the best statistical seasons in the history of the program, and it's only going to get better. And um, yeah, you're fortunate to have that. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's hard to sell the story of two guys from the same high school um, in Hawaii are going to come to UCF and have success to the degree that McKinsey's had in what appears to be a very promising future uh, for Dylan Gabriel. And, um, you know, I think a lot of fans do know uh, it, it is a very short distance from the high school that McKinsey and Dylan went to, uh, where Tua Tonga went to school, where Marcus Mariota went to school. Kenny Chang went to school. Uh, those guys are, you can make a circle that's about 50 to 80 miles and you'll touch them. So uh, there's something unique about the quarterbacks in that area there. Joining us on the program, he is the play-by-play voice of UCF, Mark Daniels. Uh, Mark, we've talked about the offensive side of the ball, but I think we're neglecting defensively. Uh, UCF is pretty good on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, there's some talented players and athletes for UCF. A big question mark coming into the season One of the defensive line is UCF lost a couple of guys that moved on to the next level and uh, have really uh, had some success with the rotation of players. Beginning of the year, UCF is playing as many as 12 to 14 different defensive linemen. The second part of the year kind of settled on a rotation of 10 and um, keeps guys fresh. That's by design for Randy Shen, the defensive coordinator, um, They've had a lot of success, a couple of special uh, players in that defensive line. Brendan Hayes is a defensive end who's had a really great season. Um, linebackers, Nate Evans is a guy that I think is going to play at the next level. He's had an all-conference year uh, for UCF and uh, some young players behind him. And a secondary that's had some experience despite losing a corner uh, to an injury early in the year, Van Moore. Richie Grant's been an all-conference player now for three years. Um, he's very strong. Uh, Antoine Cogger, uh, the other safety's had a great season. Neville Clark, a uh, uh, really good cover corner. And then Aaron Robinson has uh, you know, become a phenomenal nickelback for UCF and uh, a spot so critical in the passing world we live in today. So it's a defense that has played very well at times. One thing that's different for us is, uh, and sometimes it's just how the ball bounces. It's just that UCF hasn't generated as many turnovers as they had in the two previous years in the turnover category. UCF was plus 31 the last two years combined. You're going to win a lot of football games, and that happens. 
we've not had as many turnovers in our favor this year. Um, but it's a defense that has played very well at times. You go back a couple of games to stand out their game against you know, Temple to give up 19 total yards in the second half. A game against Houston, they gave up 63 yards in the second half. Uh, Randy Shannon's very good at halftime adjustments. Uh, there's a number of games the last couple of years that UCF perhaps did not play as well in the first half and then made some adjustments in the second half, just a you know, completely different football team. So, you know, some guys that have had uh, some experience there over these uh, three years of success. And, um, you know, I think uh, uh, looking forward to another chance to play. We're excited for this one. Uh, maybe heard fans a little bit more just because uh, I know it was an intense rivalry for those limited years that these two teams met in football and basketball. Uh, I know herd fans really enjoyed this one. So uh, I know at least from the Marshall side of things, it, it sounds like it's going to be a fun matchup. And Florida seems to be the favorite uh, second home for all Marshall fans and for Doc Holliday. So uh, I'm excited for this one. And uh, I appreciate you coming on today and talking a little bit about this with us. Yeah, look, I think UCF fans are excited, too. Like I said, it, 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 it was not a, a, at all a, a, a view of Marshall. I think the expectations in August are here. And when you got to the end of the season, it's, okay, here's the bowl game. And uh, I think by the time we get towards kickoff on December 23rd, uh, UCF will travel extremely well. And, uh, you know, it's been fun to watch the success of the team lead to how fans have traveled with us, uh, whether we've gone to Pittsburgh and had 5,000 people, went to Tulane, had about 6,000 people. So they've traveled well, and I think they'll travel well for that game. And hopefully we get great weather and a good football game. Looking forward to it, Mark. Uh, thanks for chatting with us today, and we'll talk soon. Thank you. That's Mark Daniels. He's the UCF play-by-play voice. And when we come back from break, we're going to talk a little bit more about Marshall basketball. Get your phone calls in as well. And we're going to open up the text line for you at 399-8255. That's 304-399-8255. We've got more on the way. It's The Drive, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. This is The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Presented by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. 877-867-1670. 877-420-TALK, 877-420-8255 to be a part of today's edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. We're also firing up the text machine. That's right. Some of you don't tweet. That's okay. I've got the alternative for you. You can hit the text machine at 304-399-8255. That's right, 304 399 8255. So we'll fire that up every day. Give you an opportunity to send us your questions, comments, or funny text. Whatever you guys want to send, we'll take a look at them. And of course, uh, we're going to do that every day on the show. So yesterday, Marshall Basketball gets the victory over Bluefield State 86 50. Now, this was an exhibition game for Bluefield State. So no harm, no foul. For Marshall, it's a victory because it counts as a win or a loss. Marshall. I thought really rough in that first half. Second half, a little bit better. I think that's fair to say. Marshall, in that first half, they shot 13 of 36. 36.1%. Second half, a lot better. Less shots, more made. 19 of 31, 61.3. For the game, 47.8%. They shot 32 of 67. Now, the culprit, in my mind, still the three-point shot. Here we go again. We haven't got the shooters hitting those just yet. 2 of 16 in that first half from 3, 12.5%. Second half, a little bit better, 
4 of 12, 33.3% for the game. They shot 6 of 28 from the three-point line for a total of 21.4%. Free throws really weren't an issue, 60% in the first half, 58.8 in the second half, 59.3 for the game. So almost 60% for the game. Not terrible. At the same time, you went 16 of 27 from the line. Bluefield State only got 14 shots at it. They were 8 of 14. Marshall outscored them in the paint, 48-18. Points off turnovers, Marshall outscored them 30-21. to Second chance points, won that one 13-12. Fast break points, 22-4. Bench points, 37-12 there. I mean, Marshall only went in with a 10-point uh, first-half lead. They were leading 34-24, and then almost doubled them. Actually, 52-26, two points in that second half, really turned it on, and they get the victory. Confidence boost heading into that Moorhead State game. I don't know, though, what this tells me. I know they're working on some lineups, and they're working on some different things, trying to establish chemistry, trying to figure out what's going to be their best situation. And a game like this is pretty good. Tabion Kenzie, nine points. Bennett had nine points. Jensen Williams had eight points. Darius George had five points. Michael Byers had 13 points. Goran Milodinovich had 10. Jared West, 18 points. Here's the difference, though. Tavion's out there 28 minutes. Jared's out there 30. As you can see, the time of play. Bennett's out there only 13 minutes. Now, Tavion was playing with a little foul trouble. He ended up with four fouls. Jansen's out there 16 minutes. And George is out there 13 minutes. Jeremy Dillon got some playing time. He got 13 minutes. Luke Thomas got nine minutes of action. Marco Saranac, he got 22. Cam Brooks-Harris got 22. You expect to see his play increase. Michael Byers got 18 minutes. Gorin got 16. So this wasn't necessarily your normal rotation. This is an opportunity to go out there. You're playing against a division lower opponent, lower division, however you want to describe it. I knew that team could score. So I didn't think it would just be a cakewalk. And that first half, you look at it. And that first half, Bluefield State with 10 of 35. Three-point line, 3 of 13. Hit 1 of 4 from the free throw line. Second half, not so good, 8 of 33. They were 3 of 15 from the three-point line. 7 of 10 from the free throw line. I mean, you look at their numbers, 26.5% shooting, 21.4% from the three-point line. Almost 58% from the free throw line. That's really where some of their offense was coming at some points. But this team was truly limited. Marshall led the game for 39.34. That's right, 39 minutes, 34 seconds. It was tied for 19 seconds. That's it, tied for 19 seconds. And Bluefield State... They got shut down in that second half. Their last field goal came in the second with five minutes and nine seconds to go. They got shut down. Marshall 
36-point lead with 51 seconds would be the largest lead of the game. They end up winning the game 86-50. I mean, it's what we expected. I mean, there's nothing you can say about this game bad because this is what we expected. And you can say some good things. They got the victory. They got some guys out there who had an opportunity to play that normally wouldn't get the minutes. So there was that. And this is all going to change again. The dynamics going to change again going down the Moorhead State. But the takeaway for me here is Marshall beat the team they were supposed to beat. And they used the opportunity to get more guys into the lineup, into the rotation, than they normally would. It was it was a game you like to see played early, but it's right there. It's right in the middle of this non-conference slate. You play this game, I guess, to keep the team from getting rusty is one thing. Because their next game's against Moorhead on Monday. And if they don't play this game, they're sitting a week. They're not getting any action. And with finals and everything, you want to try to balance that. But at the same time, this is an easy one. No disrespect to Bluefield State. No disrespect whatsoever. But this is a game. You schedule this game. Get them on the schedule. Get the victory. Feel good about yourself. Do some things out there that you normally maybe don't get a chance to do, see where you're at, work on some things, get ready for more ahead. And that should be a, a more of a challenge. I'm looking forward to that one, actually. I'm excited for that. I get excited for that one every year because I just remember that, that matchup, that rivalry. I'm a little older than some of the Herd fans out there. I remember that game, and I, I'm a fan of that game, to be quite honest with you, and I hope to see it played as long as uh, there's basketball being played at Marshall. And I hope to... I hope you guys agree, too. I really do. I hope you guys agree because it's a good series. It definitely needs to be played. Okay, we're going to come back, get some of your phone calls in. You can do that at 877-420-TALK, 877-420-8255. Our text line, we've got the text machine fired up. I know you guys are new to that, so we're going to warm that up for you, give you an opportunity at 304-399-8255. That is our text line. You can send us a text Anytime while we're on the air, and we'll read them, take a look at them. If they're going to be funny, make sure they're really funny. I know some of you don't tweet, so we got that thing fired up. Hey, we're sinking a lot of money into this show. For 2020, we're sinking some cash into this show. We're getting you a text machine now, and I think that's all the investments that we've made in the show. We've invested money in the text machine, so you can send us a text. Um, if you don't send us a text, you can send us a tweet, and you can do that by hitting me up at Paul Swan on Twitter. So at Paul Swan on Twitter, the text machine, you've got that. You've got the phone lines. We will come back, and we will wrap up the show on today's edition of The Drive, presented by Huntington Federal Savings Bank on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Now, back to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. 877-420-TALK is our number to be a part of the program this hour. Our phone line, as always, brought to you by Miller Lite. Miller Lite, hold true, great taste, only 96 calories it is. The original light beer. You can also use the text machine. That's right. I've got that thing fired up. I'm excited about it, actually. Maybe I'm more excited than I should be. You can hit the text machine, 
800-399-8255. That's right, 304-399-8255. You can throw us a text, and we will uh, get them all and uh, check in with you. Now, if you don't text, you can tweet at Pulse1. So there you go. You get all the social media stuff uh, out of the way. You know what you're doing now. And uh, I think we're going to have a fun show tomorrow. We're going to talk a little bit about Moorhead State. I've got their play-by-play guy on. And uh, we're also going to hear from the bowl director of the Gasparilla Bowl tomorrow. We're going to check in with him and uh, see all the things that are, are happening with the Gasparilla Bowl. I got the rundown from them, and we're going to talk about it more tomorrow. But the one thing we kind of were joking back and forth as we were going uh, setting this up was um, there's a, a great there's a great line of events going on for this thing. I hope Marshall can get down there in time and be a part of it. Because remember, the plane was delayed last year, but here's what they're doing. So Marshall's going to arrive next Thursday noon. They're scheduled to arrive at noon. So they'll check in. They get there. Noon's going to be pretty much the agenda there. And then off the Bush Gardens. So welcome, welcome to Tampa, off the Bush Gardens. And then... Here's uh, what they've got. They've got the on-bikes build at the uh, Curtis Hickson Park. And you remember that last year. They were building bikes. That was pretty cool. They're going to be building 100 bikes for children. And WWE superstar Titus O'Neil will be on hand. And then the kids are going to get to hang out with uh, the cheerleaders, mascot, players, coach. They're going to get to hang out with them. And... um, Mike Allstott, your Tampa Bay Bucks legend, is going to be there as well. So that's what's happening on the 20th. Now, on the 21st, they're going to practice in the morning. And then they've got the infamous beach invasion on Treasure Island Beach. So bands are going to march down Main Street on the way to the beach. And players from both teams are going to compete and contest. That's right. Always fun to have players go up against each other in fun contests. This is going to include the, as they described, the world-famous belly flop contest. Levi Brown's got to go in there. He's got to do that. Also, they're going to have a drumline march-off. Cheer teams are going to compete. Oh, you know it. You know what's going to be on more than anything? Not the belly flop, no. The drumlines are going to basically fight. It's going to be like West Side Story, just about. No actual physical violence, but it's going to be like West Side Story here. Sharks and the Jets, for those of you who actually get that reference. And then the cheer team, it's going to be Bring It On. Basically, we're going to see a live reenactment of Bring It On. Have you seen that movie, Gabriel, Bring It On? You've never seen Bring It On. Really, Eliza Dushu's in it. Kirsten Dunst is in it. It's about cheerleading competition. Gabrielle Union, I believe, is in that as well. Never seen Bring It On. It's one of the greatest sports movies of all time. I don't care who you are. It is one of the best sports movies of all time. About cheerleading. Never seen it. Okay. I got to work on you, my young man. I got to work on you. And then um, December 22nd is going to be the team walkthrough. Uh, There's going to be a pep rally for uh, fans to attend. And it's going to be... Of course, more bands and cheerleader action going on. And then, of course, the fan invasion on the 23rd opens at 11 a.m. The fans are welcome to attend for free, kick off at 2. 
and of course, we're going to talk to um, we're going to talk to the folks tomorrow from the Gasparilla Bowl and kind of get an idea of what all of this is about. But I want to find out if the cheer competition is going to be like Bring It On again. Gabriel, go rent go rent that movie. I'm a little flabbergasted. You don't know that movie. Bring it on. Don't you like Eliza Dushu? She was in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Remember her? Kirsten Dunst. She was in the, the Spider-Man movies back in the day. Like 10 years ago, I think. Was it? Was it that long? Back in the day. Yeah, okay. You don't know. You're you're a millennial. You don't know. You don't know anything. You don't know a single, single thing. I can't believe that. I, I need a new producer in this show. That's for sure. I'm going to have to... Gabriel, we're going to have to... We're working on that here, buddy. We're, we're going to sit down every week. We're going to have a theater uh, experience every week. We're going to watch movies that you're supposed to, to know. Am I the only one that's seen Bring It On? Am I it? I mean, come on. That's a great sports movie. Hey, respect the cheerleaders, man. Respect the cheerleaders. They work hard, too. And they're more vicious than anything. You know, think um, think those pageant moms. Really, think about it. They, they're, I'm not saying they, they get down to fisticuffs or anything. This isn't like hockey fights. But they, they go after it. They do. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the program. For Gabriel Sellers, who hasn't seen Bring It On, I'm Paul Swan. We'll bring it on tomorrow here on ESPN 94.1. WRBC Huntington, W227BS Huntington, your flagship home of the Marshall Thundering Herd and The Drive with Paul Swan, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930.